Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review the nail literature and present it to you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hey, April. We are excited to explore two papers with you today. My paper this month is from Drs. Kalunga Pedraza et al., published in the Annals of Rheumatologic Diseases in June 2021. It is a research letter entitled, Nail Involvement in Psoriatic Arthritis Patients is an Independent Risk Factor for Carotid Plaque. As background, the links between skin psoriasis and cardiovascular disease, as well as psoriatic arthritis and cardiovascular disease, are well established. These patients have a higher risk of atherosclerotic morbidity and mortality than the general population. In the past, studies have associated the presence of nail involvement in patients with cutaneous psoriasis with a higher risk of metabolic syndrome, heart failure, and overall cardiovascular disease. This group of authors aimed to see if the same thing was true in patients with psoriatic arthritis with nail involvement. Of course, nail involvement is quite common in patients with psoriatic arthritis, affecting about 80% of those patients. The authors performed a cross-sectional, observational, and comparative study of 64 patients with psoriatic arthritis from the Preventative Cardiology Rheumatology Clinic at the Jose Gonzalez University Hospital in Monterey, Mexico. 32 patients with psoriatic arthritis and nail involvement were included, and they were matched by age, gender, and diabetes status to psoriatic arthritis patients without nail involvement. Patients with known diagnosis of cardiovascular disease were excluded. They performed ultrasound to check for asymptomatic carotid plaque, measured as the carotid intimal medial thickness. And as a background, asymptomatic carotid atherosclerosis is a risk equivalent for cardiovascular disease. So patients with it are at increased risk for future cerebrovascular events like stroke and TIA, as well as cardiovascular events like myocardial infarction or limb ischemia. The authors also assessed the nail psoriasis severity index, NAPSI, in all patients. They calculated the correlation between the NAPSI and carotid intimal medial thickness. They found that carotid plaque was significantly more common in patients with nail psoriasis than those without and it was 53% versus 25%, so quite impressive. Nail psoriasis patients also had significantly increased intimal medial thickness at 0.85 millimeters versus 0.59 millimeters on average. There was a correlation between the severity of the NAPSI and the carotid intimal medial thickness. A binary logistic regression controlling for traditional cardiovascular risk factors like hypertension, dyslipidemia, obesity, smoking, CRP, and ESR found that nail involvement was an independent risk factor for carotid plaque. 
This is all most likely explained by the overall fact that nail involvement is linked with more severe psoriasis and a higher inflammatory burden, and that is in turn linked to development of atherosclerosis. I thought the magnitude of their findings was impressive. To me, this strengthens the connection between the disease process of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and the risk for cardiovascular disease. I always counsel newly diagnosed psoriasis patients about modifying the risk factors that they have control over, like smoking and lipid control. I will now emphasize to all of my nail psoriasis patients how especially important it is to do this. Yeah, I agree. I know in our nail clinic, we have quite a few patients with psoriasis isolated to the nails as well. So this is a good reminder to continue to educate them about their increased cardiovascular risk. Exactly. Okay. This month, I am discussing the article, Efficacy and Safety of Topical Turbinivine 10% Solution, or MOB-015, in the Treatment of Mild to Moderate Distal Subungual Onychomycosis, a randomized, multi-sender, double-blind, vehicle-controlled phase 3 study by Drs. Gupta et al., published in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology, July 2021. This study was performed in 23 centers from the United States and five from Canada. Some background, as we know, oral terbinafine is currently the gold standard for treating onychomycosis, with mycologic cure rates of nearly 80% and complete cure rates of approximately 40%. However, systemic treatment may not be desirable for all patients. In a phase two trial with topical terbinafine 10% solution, the authors found that topical terbinafine was found at 1,000 times higher concentrations in the nail plate and 40 times higher concentrations in the nail bed than oral terbinafine with little to no systemic absorption, making this a promising formulation for onychomycosis treatment. For the phase three trial, the authors enrolled patients aged 12 to 75 years with positive confirmation of onychomycosis involving 20 to 60% of at least one great toenail and a positive culture for dermatophyte. Subjects were excluded if they had toenail thickness greater than three millimeters, involvement of the proximal great toenail, uncontrolled diabetes, peripheral circulatory insufficiency, pregnant or breastfeeding females, severe moccasin tinea pedis, and patients who used systemic antifungal agents within six months or topical antifungal agents within six weeks of screening. So this is excluding actually quite a few patients that we would routinely see in clinic. 365 subjects were randomized into two groups in a two-to-one ratio of topical terbinafine 10% solution or a matching vehicle. Subjects were instructed to apply the treatment for 48 weeks to all affected fingernails and toenails, plus under the free edge of the nail, once daily. Clinical disease involvement, mycologic sampling, and nail trimming were performed every 12 weeks during treatment and at 52 weeks or four weeks after treatment was complete. 319 patients completed the treatment. 78 discontinued the study, mostly due to patient request or patient loss to follow-up. The mean number of toenails affected ranged from 2.3 to 2.7 per foot. At week 52... 
4.5% of patients in the treatment group achieved complete cure, compared to 0% of vehicle subjects. 70% of patients in the treatment group achieved mycological cure, defined as a negative culture in KOH microscopy, compared to 28% in the vehicle group. Mycological cure was achieved as early as 12 weeks after initiating treatment. Actually, 93% of patients have had a negative culture at 12 weeks. In addition, 15% of subjects in the treatment group had mycological cure and less than 10% clinical disease involvement of the target toenail at 52 weeks, compared to 4% in the vehicle group. And as expected, the complete cure and mycological cure rates were higher when the nail involvement was 20 to 50% compared to above 50%. So to summarize, the complete cure of topical terbinafine 10% solution was around 5% compared to 38% for oral terbinafine. The mycological cure rate was similar for both formulations at approximately 70%. And I did a quick search to compare these findings to the efficacy of topical efeniconazole 10% solution. And in its phase three trials, it achieved complete cure rates of 15 to 18% and mycological cure rates of 53 to 55% at week 52. So the complete cure rates were higher with topical efeniconazole 10% solution than with the topical terbinafine 10% solution. The authors suggest that the vehicle with the terbinafine solution, which consisted of urea, lactic acid, and propylene glycol, resulted in nail plate opaqueness, which may have interfered with the assessment of clinical cure. So they believe that once the healthy toenail grows out, the complete cure rate would increase. Also, since the mycological cure rates were achieved as early as 12 weeks, they suggested that subjects may be able to spread out their frequency of treatment, resulting in decreased nail opaqueness, so a faster clinical cure. I think topical terbinafine solution is a promising option for our patients with onychomycosis involving the distal and lateral toenails. It does not appear to be superior to efeniconazole 10% solution, but I would like to see a head-to-head -head trial to compare those two. And hopefully topical terbinafine solution will be less expensive or easier to get covered by insurance. However, as a reminder, both of these topical solutions have not been studied in patients with proximal toenail involvement or toenails greater than three millimeters thick. So for those patients, systemic treatment continues to be the best option. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, I think you're right. Like it all comes down to cost side effects, you know, patients are going to have to be agreeable to apply it for a really long time. And we really need like a farther out study because if this is making the nail opaque. And so we can't really tell if it's cured until it grows out. Then, you know, I'd love to see that head to head trial you mentioned, but like with follow up, like two years out. So we really know. Right. Or even uh, maybe stopping the treatment a little bit earlier and seeing, because maybe the patients don't actually have to use it for 48 weeks because all of these trials are studying it being used for 48 weeks, which is a, a really long time for patients to continue treatment. Right. And we know that oral terbinafine concentrates in the nail plate. And so if this is getting such high concentrations there, then they may be able to use it a lot less. 
Right. Like you mentioned, if it really sticks around the way, the same way that oral terbinafine does. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be more studies with it soon. Yes. Great. Well, Catherine, thank you for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we are doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com.